Good morning, comrades. You're listening to Workers Power with Hannah, Jackson and Bill on 4ZZZ. And you just listened to The Revolution Will Not Be Televised by Gil Scott Heron. Uh, thank you to ArtCut for another awesome show and thank you to Zedlines. Today on the show, we have plenty of workers' action. We'll be talking to Jaden from APN and, of course, the world-famous Scallywag of the Week. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yagara and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge any First Nation comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparation and land rights. Too right. And uh, we've got... Um yeah, good morning, comrades, and uh, an- another another Tuesday of uh, Workers' Power. And, uh, of course, as always, we uh, start out, uh, or we try, not as always, there's been, we're up to episode 67 now, and I think it's only been twice that we haven't started, for special reasons, of course. Um, start off with uh, First Nations Workers' Action. And uh, we've got, uh, oh, down in a beautiful part of the world, Jarvis Bay, and the Jarvis Bay Indigenous community are too afraid to drink the water. Um, Yeah, so residents of a Jarvis Bay Aboriginal community are too scared to drink from the town's main water supply and say cultural practices have been stripped from them due to chemical contamination from the HMAS Cresswell Navy Base. Local Indigenous community leader James Williams said Rec Bay residents were deeply concerned since the Department of Defence identified PFAS, synthetic chemicals that were used in firefighting foam for decades, had contaminated waterways in 2016. While only low levels deemed to be a risk to human health were found in the town's drinking water at Lake Windermere, Indigenous Community Spokesman James Williams said residents were not willing to risk it. In December 2018, the Department of Defence published health advice that eating more than two serves of seafood per year from local creeks could lead to an elevated risk of exposure to the chemical. Traditional communities have long sourced food from creeks in the area, including the much-loved spiny crayfish, and Mr. Williams said residents now felt their culture had been stripped from them as they struggled to feed their families. Despite the initial PFAS testing being done more than four years ago, the community remains in limbo. Information is scarce around how many and where PFAS-contaminated sites are and what the health effects of the chemical might be. When it comes to PFAS, it seems there are far more questions than answers. No plan on how the contaminated areas will be managed or ecological risk assessment for uh, Javis Javis Bay has been released by Defence. A PFAS health study at the Australian National University is currently analysing blood tests from people living in communities with high PFAS exposure to determine its extent of PFAS in population and its health effects. Oh, seeing PFAS a lot. (laughs) 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 Professor Martin Kirk, part of the research team conducting the study, said said results should be available by the end of next year. That will Mm. be very, very interesting. And a few points there for for, for this PFAS. Now, we said it a lot. (laughs) We'll call it crap for the rest of the time. This crap that the um, uh, armed services we're using is a problem out, out at, at uh, Swanbank as well. Okay. Because they've been dumping it into into the, putting it in, pouring it into the dumps there mm. and it's leaching into the groundwater and, and, and that. But um, Jarvis Bay um, is actually, the part of the Jarvis Bay that is the, the naval base is actually part of the Australian, um, the ACT. Mm. It's, oh, okay. it, yeah, it's this little pocket on the coast that's, you know, oh, it, yeah, it, it's it's not New South Wales. It, 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 it's ACT, and and you can't get in there. You can't, do, you know, they've they've got it well um, um, cordoned off because you know it is a military base. But uh, you know, and and um, talking as a former um, resident, you know, the the, the um, anecdotal evidence is they just do what they want. Yeah, you know. They do what they like, you know, and uh, they're 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 the 
they're the navy you know uh, they're there to protect us and, and and we'll do what we need to do and and um you know this uh, it's the um the crap right is is it's firefighting equipment and so a lot of it ends up in, in, in into gr- into the um, groundwater and such like that, and then um, it, 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 you know it can end up in in our food. And uh, I, I couldn't help myself. Sorry to you know nearly interject in your uh, in the story there, but two, per year is that two servings <laughs> per year? Mm. Yeah, Jeez, I don't that'd eat be, much seafood, and even I eat more than that. You know, I can't eat much more because of medical reasons. But uh, even I eat more than that. You know, so that's terrible. And and uh, yeah, down there, you know, um, fishing is life. Yeah, exactly. It's really important cultural practice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very very important for for yeah culture and food. You know, mm-hmm. everything. You know, so um, yeah, good on the residents for uh, you know like um, highlighting it and uh, hopefully that uh, um, you know these reports that are coming out and the awareness that's uh, happening in around this particular um, issue. Um, you know, uh, everywhere around the country. You know, with um. Where there's uh, army base or, or, or armed forces bases nearby, they'll be using this junk. Yeah, and this isn't just like a local issue either. Like um, plastic pollution has, um, well, polluted so like pretty much all of the fish in the ocean, and it's um, having you know pretty big health effects on uh, pe- communities that rely on fishing all around the world. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. Apparently, we already have like plastic in our bodies. Is mm. that true? Yeah, yeah. Like, all of us have little bits of plastic in us. Yeah. yeah, and that's like much highly elevated for people who rely on fish because of yeah. just the way that plastic has polluted the ocean. Yeah, gross. Yeah, very gross. Right. Well, I'll give this that name Yin Hawanka. Yin Hawanganka. <laughs> no, I didn't go close the second time. I, I will try because it's it's worth it to make the effort, comrades. Hey, eh? uh, I'm going to say Yin Hawanka. That's good. That's good. Yin Hawanka, Aboriginal Corporation are trying to prevent destruction of 124 sites in Rio Tinto's path. Uh, this story is by uh, Kira Jenkson, Jenkins from the NITV News. Um, Jackson. Yeah, so the Yinghawenka Aboriginal Corporation told an inquiry into the destruction of 46,000-year-old rock shelters at Duke and George that they must rely on the goodwill of Rio Tinto oh. not to destroy <laughs> significant sites Good on their country. Yeah, great. The country overseen by the Yinghawenka Aboriginal Corporation neighbours the Putu Kunti Kurama and Pinikura country, where the mining destru- where the mining giant destroyed their rock shelters in May. The corporation is attempting to prevent the destruction of 124 heritage sites that are in the path of Rio Tinto's Western Range deposit on Yinhuenka country. Rio Tinto has already received Section 18 approval to destroy 26 of oh, those 20, 124 Fair sites. Oh, grubs. The corporation's CEO, Grant Bussell, told the inquiry a participation agreement signed with Rio Tinto prevents them from publicly objecting to mining activities, including those that will destroy significant sites. Mr. Bussell said about particular clauses in the agreement uh, usually prevents them from speaking about its contents, but Rio Tinto had a written letter had written a letter to give him permission to speak freely about it to the inquiry. The chairperson of the Yinghawanka Aboriginal Corporation, Halloway Smirk, said while traditional owners knew what they were signing when they entered into the agreement with Rio Tinto in 2013, it was a rushed process. The people were aware of what they were signing. It was a rushed process and we thought everything was going ahead with goodwill. We thought the country was moving forward with goodwill, he said. Mr. Bussell said the inquiry began to since the inquiry began, Riotinto had become more sensitive to protecting significant sites. Because of your inquiry, I think, and the failures that happened in the PKKP country, they are more sensitive now and a little bit more careful about protection of the sites, he said. We're getting positive-sounding statements out of Rio. I couldn't point to a single tangible bit of process, I have to say, but it's ongoing. The inquiry also heard from mining company Woodside Energy, Joel geologist Cedric Davies, who worked with Rio Tinto in 2006, and Western Australian Greens MP Robin Chappell. 
Mr. Davies has worked with both mining companies and Aboriginal corporations and said he wasn't shocked that Rio had obtained a Section 18 consent, but was shocked at the scale of the site that had been destroyed. He said during his time working in Western Australia, he realised mining companies were receiving privileged treatment down to the time it would take to get a response from government departments. If I ask for a map, if it's for a mining company, I usually get a map back within one or two days, with an apology if it's later than that, he said. If I'm acting on behalf of an Indigenous group, it's usually after follow-up emails weeks later. What grubs. Yeah. yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in relying on the goodwill of Rio Tinto, unfortunately. And this seems to be, you know, something they do a lot is rush through these contracts and, yeah, so that people don't really understand what's going to happen. Mm. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, well, the proof is in the pudding, yeah, isn't it? They 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 like to um, they favour you know minerals in the ground over um, cultural heritage sites. You know, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, and they said in the article that like Rio Tinto seems to be more sensitive to protecting cultural sites. But if there's one thing corporations are good at, it's putting on a show. Yeah, oh. exactly. Oh, there's, yeah. there's no money for them in these cultural sites. They what what's underneath them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, so they'll do what they have to do to get that, so they can make their profits. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. They've got they're answerable to their shareholders at the end of the day, and uh, shareholders want dividends. And uh, yeah, that's it. Doesn't get any simpler than that, does it? You know, and if uh, if there's a you know a, a scar tree in the road. We, you know, history has shown us that they'll just chop it down. I yeah. don't care. They don't care. You know, and, you know, to, for 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 uh, you know us, you know, like and and First Nations people even more so. If we see a scar tree, it's like oh, oh that, it's something sacred. It's something awesome to 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 see them to see them. But uh, uh, other people just see it as um, a tree on the, on the road to progress. You know, well. Um, it's good that we've got corporations um, like this one. Um, you know, at least you know the the young Wangaka, Wangak. <laughs> oh look, I, and the only reason I try it is out of respect, comrades. You it's know, sorry, I, it just sounds funny, Bill. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Still I, you I, saying Wangak yeah, over and over. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I wait. But uh, yeah, good on the, good on them for uh, standing up and fighting back uh, against uh, Rio Tinto. Um, just on, uh, we always mention gigs there and moving along. But uh, I went to a gig on the weekend. It's, it's surreal because you got to sit down. Yeah, really. Even for me, <laughs> even for me, I don't, I'm not a rocker. You know, I don't get up the front of the mosh pit any anymore these days, comrades. You know, but uh, I still like to, you know, like maybe just sway the hips a little bit. Um, but you're, <laughs> you you're sitting, tap your knees or something. Yeah, yeah, you're in, you're in your seat. And, uh, but look, you know, um, I went and seen a few good bands on uh, on the weekend, and um, yeah, it was just good uh, to be out there and support. And, and um, the venue had, had uh, organised things very COVID safe and the like. So uh, yeah, in a way, it's good to have a. You know, sometimes you go out and you go, "Oh, Jesus, it's nice to have a seat." Well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, feel now, pressured to get up and dance. Yeah, now, now you want to get well, you know, like yeah. So, but no, it's it's, it's good and it's good to see, um, you know, workers uh, uh, adapting, you know, and that's that's what we do um, do best. So, um, yeah, I thought I'd mention that under the the guise of agitate, educate, and organise. Um, the other thing that I was going to chat with with comrades uh, about today in this space is uh, is uh, well we we had an idea um, we're, we're coming up to our 69th episode. Nice. So there was a bit of an idea floated around that uh, maybe we should get respect on for nice. the show. Nice. <laughs> so I've, I have had a chat with uh, Janelle from Decrim. Uh, he's part of Respect as well, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, they like the idea, and they're going to be on. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, what I've been what I've been working on is uh, uh, some uh, future guests because uh, the other thing under this uh, space is I'm going to have a break. <gasps> We're going to miss you. So I'm going to have a, at least two weeks off. Uh, one of those weeks, yeah, yeah there'll be uh, the, uh, an interview with respect and. Uh, um, but uh, I'm quite confident that the team is going to, you know, like 
Look, look, Hannah's doing all the work today anyhow, so... I've got, I've got this under control, you've don't got worry. This. <laughs> we've got this as a team. We've got yep. this. I'm very, very... Um, and, and I'll use this opportunity to, um, to uh, say live to air to everyone that uh, thank you both for uh, all your hard work over the last... Uh, well, I think you've both been associated with the show for about nine months or so, a bit, maybe yeah. six to nine months. Well, I've been running the uh, the website since it started. Yeah, you have been. Yeah, mm. that's right. So since the beginning for, for you. And yeah, I think I came on uh, beginning of January or end of December, I think, yeah, the first time. And, and uh, during that, that time um, when, when only I could come in, you guys, you know, were just awesome in the background and I, I knew you were both itching to get get in here and, and, and finish your training and but we've done that over the last six weeks six weeks I think you guys have been back or something around about that I think it's been mm, um, and um, yeah you've both uh, stepped up and you've both been uh, doing the panel and driving the show on your own so I can retire now <laughs> you better come back yeah. <laughs> but no, you've I'm done, a, you've done a great job teaching us thank you so much no, no it's been my pleasure and uh, yeah it's it's shown um, uh, you've you've both brought an element to the to the show and uh, have uh, made your uh, your own and uh, yeah so um, that's that's awesome so yeah feel good about that and uh, yeah and I'll go and have a couple of weeks off with a little bit of a break. Yeah, we all need a break sometimes, so that's, you enjoy your break. That's right, you know. Like uh, I, I like what um, I think it's Banksy. His one of his art pieces. It, it says, um, "Don't give up." learn how to rest. It's something like that. It's some long lines of that, you know. So oh, I think that's quite good, you know, learn how to, you know, relax so that, you you know, that I can have a break and, have, you know, come back reinvigorated. Yeah. The other thing that I was going to quickly touch on in, in this space is, is um, a bit what we're organising in, in uh, well, uh, something that's uh, to do with the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union that I work for. And um, and uh, something that's happening with within the ACTU and the SDA, and what's going on at the moment is they're both um, uh, in talks, accord talks. You know, there's yeah. the new accord, Accord 2.0, but this time with the oh Liberal government, God. right, and and businesses. And what they, what what the talk is 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 they're talking about watering down the boot test which is the better off overall test, so that, that every single, under an agreement, every single worker or potential worker must be better off under an agreement than the award. And uh, so, so what, what's been happening in this space? It's, main, it's mainly like, uh, you know, industries like retail, fast food, hospitality. Well, no, not hospitality because UWU you, you, wouldn't do, the, do this. Mm. And, and it's where they, they negotiate loaded rates is what they call them. So you get a loaded day rate and then they cut the penalty rates. And um, so all your day staff, which could be 60%, 70% of your staff, are all better off. Oh, we like that. You know, one, yeah. we like that. But then the 30 40% who aren't getting their penalty rates at night or on weekends anymore are much, much worse off. Well, that's, that's yeah, we don't like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, the bosses... They're not going to do it if it doesn't save them money. Mm, exactly. Yeah. They don't. They're not. They're not going to do it. So, uh, w- what has happened is it, it's basically uh, it's been fixed thanks to the retail and fast food workers union um, activists Go and members. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been fixed. It doesn't happen anymore. And there, there's still a few zombie ones left around where where they've got loaded rates and no penalty rates for weekends and public holidays. Um, but we, we're working our way through them. But. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that um, you know that uh, ACTU and and have sided with the SDA and and bosses, and they're they're looking at uh, at uh, watering down those boot laws that make sure everyone is better off, not just you know union members, not just day shift staff, not you know everyone. So that's a very important uh, law that uh, we'll watch this space over the next couple of months. 
Um, so, yeah, we, we, we better move to a track. That's enough of me talking. About <laughs> Have you guys got anything exciting? It's just, or no. is it just uni, uni, uni? Uni, <laughs> kids, animals. <laughs> I, 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 I just, I, I heard Jimmy's running now. Oh, he's a runner. Yep, in the car parks around the side of the house. Oh. He runs, he's quick. You have to catch him before he falls on his face. <laughs> I, I had young Billy when he was about, oh, he would have been about five. He took off on me in Big W one day. Oh, it's. It's it's uh, uh, it's heartbreaking. Your heart's oh, it's terrible when your kids take off. On oh you. yeah, it's absolutely you know? terrifying. So it happened to me with Sky when she was about the same age. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm have to get him a leash. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if it keeps them safe, then yeah, that's exactly. He's right. He's only Maybe one though. He's yeah. just learning that Good we on chase him. him. Good on Jimmy. <laughs> and now we have Jaden from Anti Poverty Network Queensland on the line. How are you going, Jaden? Not bad, you. Oh, I can't complain. Pretty good. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we've had Jaden on the show before talking about the life campaign, Living Incomes for Everyone, and uh, we are here to talk about that even more, especially given their uh, latest campaign, which is a National Week of Action. Um. Yeah, um, so basically, yeah, uh, everyone in the life camp, um, a lot of the organisations in the life campaign have uh, been engaged in a national week of action to uh, protest the uh, job seeker and job keeper being cut. Um, because, you know, uh, for so many people, that's just going to be, you know, forcing so many people back into poverty. Um, and especially in the face of, uh, you know, the times we're in with the virus and all that. I think for a lot of it, it just seems even more ridiculous than what it was even before. So, yeah, I think that's, yeah. Hey, Jaden, it's Bill. How you doing? Not bad, you? Yeah? Uh, yeah, pretty good. And, uh, yeah, as we... Oh, well, not too good. As we approach a precipice of uh, the cliff that yeah. is job seeker and a job keeper being, you know, about to be cut, it's great that uh, living incomes for everyone is campaigning for a better world. Can, mm. can you tell us about uh, who is involved and how it began? So the Living Incomes uh, for Everyone campaign sort of, um, uh, it's basically, it's, it's comprised of like sort of low income workers. Um, so that's people from unemployed uh, to like, you know, um, yeah, uh, unionists essentially. Um, basically we all understand, you know, we all, uh, you know, have a shared struggle in uh, this fight. And so we've decided to come together. So some of the groups that are a part of it, obviously, Anti-Poverty Network Queensland, Anti-Poverty Network South Australia, the Unemployed Workers Union, um, as well as uh, some of the unions like uh, RTBTU, RAFLU, obviously, um, NUA, the, the Veterans uh, Branch, I forget ex- the exact name of that, but those are just like a, a few, uh, uh, those are just some of a few of the organisations that are participating in the campaign. Now, we, there's also been a, a new addition, and it's something that um, us within Anti-Poverty Network have been working on for a long, long time, this, this form of solidarity. We've got the uh, CPSU endorsing uh, the, the, uh, the action now, or well, they're endorsing the demands now. Definitely, um, which is really good, because, like, you know, with all the Centrelink stalls that uh, we've been doing, it might be, like... Yeah, it'd be a really good uh, way to build link with uh, build links with the workers there, and also um, yeah, if, a good way to get in touch with them if there are, if any particular issues arise within a particular office, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, okay. advocacy. yeah, and 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 for for the uh, CPSU, the, the the workers members to stand in solidarity with with the the recipients or clients they they may refer to them as. Is I, I, I personally, I think it's a, it, it was a great step, and uh, yeah, something that we've been work, working on a long time. Yeah, no, this is it's really good to see. All right, now um, we are quite excited about the new secure homes for everyone demands, uh, but. Uh, um, are you? Can you? Uh, well, I'll I'll help you out with some headings. Can you? We'll, we'll briefly talk about the other demands. So first off, yeah. it's keep the rate. So keep the rate. Um, that's basically meaning um, the current rate of uh, job seeker would be uh, would basically would be uh, be maintained um, and not be fo- and people would not be forced back in the forty bucks a day. I think that's pretty uh, pretty simple. Yeah, and then the second demand is no one 
left behind. So, okay, that sort of means that um, what we want to do is um, make make all Centrelink payments in line with the uh, job seeker payment, because uh, payments like the disability support pension, the age pension, um, and all the other like other payments really just, uh, did not get a rise and kind of just got forgotten. And I know I've said this a few times on the on the show, but like um, I think it is pretty ridiculous that you've got a global pandemic where people are who are elderly and people who are dis- uh, who are on the disability support pension um, are are at risk are at higher risk from the uh, COVID um, nineteen virus. So it is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And then the, the, the third one is uh, end harassment for social security with dignity. Yeah. So that's basically ref- uh, saying that we need to stop the harassment of job seekers. Um, basically, uh, so that's meaning things like mutual obligations, work for the doll, cashless welfare card, and basically being like, well, we need to actually stop making a welfare system that is uh, meant to punish us. And I uh, actually uh, have one that, uh, you know, gives us a decent standard of living. Yeah, and that's what the uh, recent AUWU MO strike has been about. Uh, they've been telling people that, no, you don't actually have to fulfil your mutual obligations. You don't have to accept this punishment, at least for right now. Um, yeah, so you absolutely. Just like, do um, that. Uh, oh, sorry? No, keep going. I was going to say, like, um, a lot of the job networks have sort of, you know, tried to force, you know, job seekers to... Um, yeah, fulfilling mutual obligations, even though they're not supposed to. So, like, yeah, the AUW's done some great work on that. Right on. And um, so now there's look, look. I think we what we want to move on to now. Now is the um, uh, the new demands in 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 and around the housing. And so uh, now the uh, the secure homes for everyone demand is uh, quite new. Uh, can can you uh, have you got it there, J- Jaden? Uh, you can expand on on that list. Yes. Uh, give me one second to grab my glasses. I'm sorry. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all good. Brilliant. So I'm um, basically uh, so yeah, the uh, secure home for everyone. So this basically means uh, extend and expand the eviction ban, uh, repossessions, uh, and provide rent and mortgage amnesty for the length of the pandemic. So basically, um, you know how a lot of uh, states sort of, uh, you know, started passing like, okay, no, you're not allowed to be passing, like, uh, doing evictions and all that during, like, for the whole, pan- um, yeah, for the pandemic. And that's basically being like, let's do this for everyone, I guess. Best way to describe it. Yeah, and let's keep doing it, you know. Just don't um, get rid of it yeah. like they're planning to do with the pretty much all the protections. And then the, um, oh, sorry? Keep going. Uh, then the... The next section is basically um, forgiveness uh, for all rental mortgage mortgage debts occurred due to the impacts of the pandemic. So that's basically been like any you know mortgage mess ups or any rent mess ups are uh, automatically be forgiven uh, during the uh, duration of the pandemic. Yeah, because I know that's been a big fear of some people as they've accrued all these debts and whatnot, um, being told that they can't be kicked out. But when it's all over, that they you know everything go back to normal, all these people end up homeless. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And it, uh, yeah. So we like that's just absolutely ridiculous, especially in the times we're in. So um, yeah. Um, that's uh, yeah. That's why we kind of out of there. And um, basically, the next one is uh, empty dwellings and vacant hotel rooms are to be uh, disseminated and made uh, de- decontaminated and made available for homeless and displaced people. Um, so basically, yeah. Um, let's say all the. You know, all the people, uh, you know, that just have vacant properties and then, um, you know, the, all the, like, uh, developers are uh, sort of repurposing those homes and, yeah, letting up people who are homeless or struggling or, yeah, people are displaced or homeless asleep in them. And I think, I believe there is a, like, there should be a fair amount of hotel rooms and whatnot vacant, especially in city centres at the moment because, um, you know, you can't have interstate travel and whatnot. If people are travelling, like, within their states. They're going regional um, but, yeah, I think there should be a, a lot of places that we could provide for people. Definitely. Definitely. We, and, in, uh, in this space, in this particular one, uh, Jaden, is, um, as a former postie, I, I know that there's so many places out there that are just empty. 
people yeah. not people not living in in them you know and uh, yeah even like, without a pandemic yeah even that's well that was 10 years ago I was a postman so well ever and uh, yeah it's 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 terrible and and um, of course uh, the 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 a uh, uh, solution would be you know no property ownership but uh, uh, on the way there um, it, it could be something as simple as uh, you don't use it you lose it i.e. with the negative gearing because mm. you know negative mm. gearing was supposed to be to keep the price of rents down and uh, if you don't have a renter you should not be getting negative gearing so but uh, yeah but also, but also it's even more like insane because um, like uh, this is probably not uh, this is probably not accurate figures now but a few years ago it was like 60,000 uh, homeless people for 80,000 um, vacant properties in Brisbane? Yeah. I think that, that, that just says it all, right? Yeah, it mm. does. It really does. And uh, like we, we, we have the homes. And uh, then, then there's something to do with the wait list uh, for, for um, uh, state-owned and managed Indigenous housing. Yeah, so basically, um, you know, people are, are, you know, people are on these lists and often are the case, uh, often are on the list for years because of, you know, um, no real assessment in uh, public and Indigenous housing. So basically we're like, well, no, let's, yeah, let's speed up that process a bit. And of course, then the, the last demand I see there is to do with public housing. Yeah, basically more on affordable public housing. Um yeah, like, um, it's disgusting how, uh, you know, underfunded these services are and, and, you know, especially how crucial they are. Yeah, and this is sort of the thing, a sort of a thing that could be tied into a demand to defund the police because, like, if you take money out of police, and I read recently that we, uh, the uh, police budget is, like, record levels, like, twenty has been raised 20% in the last five years. Um, uh, if you like take the probably more than billion dollars uh, that's probably an exaggeration I'm thinking of American stuff um, <laughs> lots of dollars <laughs> yeah um, if you take all the money if you take a bunch of money from there and you put it into public housing then you, not only will you like have less police presence which is like inherently harmful you also have less um, quote unquote need for a police presence because people won't need to be doing crimes because they have you know a place to live it's like if you meet people's basic needs, they won't need to go out and do like <laughs> yeah. crime. Yeah, yeah, crazy, right? Yeah, crazy, isn't it? You know, what a philosophy. Maybe I should subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, uh, oh, well, I've got sidetracked on my question there. Now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the, so uh, this week there's been a national day of action, and uh, we're seeing uh, the you know stuff happening uh, all around the country. Um, first off, can, can you talk us through what what, what are uh, comrades say down in in Victoria and uh, New South Wales up to? Heard about stuff um, in Adelaide too. Victoria is um, a very. Uh, they've found it very hard to get activities together, but I think what they're trying to organise is, like, a virtual march. <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I'm not really that tech-savvy, um, so I, I don't really know how that's going to work, uh, so I do apologise for that. But New South Wales are going to be doing... Uh, the Tomorrow Movement are going to be doing an event, um, uh, basically, yeah, in support of it, and I think it's outside... Um, Look, some grub politician's office. I forget. I, I do apologise. Um, South APN South Australia are gonna, uh, South Australia are going to be doing an event outside Anne Ruston's office, who is the um, um, minister for social services, as well as like a candlelight vigil, like sort of commemorating uh, some of the people that have lost their lives on Centrelink. Right on. And there, there's uh, some actions in Adelaide and uh, Perth where they're able to get it out and about, uh, where, they're, where they're showing some action. And also, um, there, there, there's, there's something at uh, Inju on, on, uh, for us this week? Yes. So, um, APN Queensland and No Cash's uh, Debit Card Australia, uh, headed up by Catherine Wilkes, are going to be doing having an event outside uh, Inju office. Uh, uh, which is in Tuong at uh, Thursday morning, 10 a.m. 
Uh, basically, the reason we've gone ahead and done, uh, gone for the card instead of um, Job Seeker, it was mainly because, look, a race to Job Seeker is excellent, but it doesn't really mean anything if um, they can still put, like, impose these horrible policies on you, like the cashless welfare card or, like, mutual obligations. Because, like, none of the raise uh, to Job Seeker goes to the Job Seeker. It all goes put on the cashless welfare card. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, like, yeah, raise is great, but what's the real difference if they can still, like, oppress you through the other means? Right, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, chuck it all on. I, 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 uh, for comrades at home, uh, what we're talking about is e-food stamps. That's what I call them, <laughs> electronic food stamps. That's what, mm. that's what yep. uh, you know, Inju um, and, and their ilk uh, uh, basically do. They create, they've created e-food stamps. Yeah, and uh, the thing um, to really mention is like, okay, like they they're really trying to get everyone on the card, every every Centrelink recipient on the card. Like, it's not just going to be, um, you know. Uh, kept to the trial region, so I think that's why why we really need to mobilise against this thing. Like, and yeah, that's why that's why we've done this. Right on. Well, thanks. So, do you want to tell us when that um, rally is? Yeah, so it's going to be at ten a.m. Uh, Thursday morning at six o one Coronation Drive, Tawong. Yes, that's outside the Inju offices. Outside the Inju office. Right on. What really? Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jaden. No, no, thanks for having me. Is there anything else you want to say? Um, <laughs> don't, don't feel the revolution. Yeah, <laughs> 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 we like that. <laughs> Will you keep up the great work, Jaden? And uh, yeah, yeah, we, we'll share um, the, a link to the live page on our Facebook page for comrades to find out more information and. Uh, um, and also the Anti Poverty Network page, so you can find the upcoming rally. Awesome. You're listening. Thank you. Uh, we'll jump into some workers' action. First up, we have a story from the AMWU. Hazardous manual handling remains a significant cause of injury for AMWU members working in food manufacturing. HSRs and McCain's, with the assistance of WorkSafe, had a fantastic win when they issued a provisional improvement notice demanding management increase labour to assist workers experiencing fatigue from high-risk hazardous manual handling. McCain's management sought to challenge the provisional improvement notice by calling in WorkSafe but were surprised by the response. WorkSafe supported the HSRs and issued a notice telling McCain's management not only to increase staffing levels, but look at introducing a mechanical aid. A win for AMW HSRs and a win for AMW workers. If you have hazardous manual handling issues, talk to your HSR or call the AMWU OHS unit. Yeah, so another good win using HSRs, which we've been talking about a lot. We do. We have been. We love HSRs. They are wonderful. If you haven't got one in your workplace, you need one. Every workplace needs a HSR. And a nice thing about this win is not only that it's good for the current workers, but it also gets uh, some unemployed people some jobs. Yes, more jobs are good because they are definitely not enough jobs around at the moment which has a yeah which relates to what we were just talking to Jaden from anti-poverty network about before is the government putting all this pressure on people and stressing out un- the unemployed um but the the fact of the matter is is there just aren't enough jobs out there for people to be getting so we need to be supporting people yeah and uh, another thing which uh, would be nice to have is like um, just more the government creating more public jobs, I guess, to yeah. building public infrastructure, so, uh, stuff that we might need to uh, re- finally reach the end of the pandemic, such as like testing teams, maybe or uh, vaccine. Um, what are they called? Production facilities, I guess. I don't know. No, those are great ideas. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, this next story is something I added because it's about 
like we've been seeing a lot of police repression of protests recently and this is just the latest example so this is a story by rachel evans from green left weekly staff and student efforts to protest the federal government's refusal to help uni- universities and the university of student sydney management's job cuts on september 16th were thwarted by new south wales police who again used the pandemic as an ex- as an excuse to stop people from exercising their democratic rights. The protest was organised by staff and students Say No to Cuts and Sydney University Education Action Group, with te- which teamed up with a contingent from the National Tertiary Education Union, NTEU. Uh, New South Wales police arrested and charged activist Adam Adelpour under COVID-19 health regulations, detaining him overnight at the Newtown police station after he refused bail conditions that included a personal curfew not to go on to the University of Sydney campus. Police dropped the conditions on his release. Adelpour faces six months in jail or an $11,000 fine under the Public Health Act 2010. And that is quite a lot of money. Like we saw last week, some workers, uh, their win was a $60,000 fine for their <laughs> for the company that had uh, wronged them. Which is a, just a tiny amount of money for a huge, you yeah. know, corporation. Yeah. But for an individual, like an $11,000 fine is... A, a lot, a lot of money. Yeah, so this is p- a person who's, like, using their right to protest, which is something, like, fundamental to our society, sort of. Well, it's been fundamental ever since it was won by activists and unionists back in the, I don't know, the year. <laughs> very, very long time <laughs> back ago. Back in the day. <laughs> yeah, um, well, especially in Queensland, something that had to be fought for since yep. from the Joe era, I guess. Um, and, like, the um, sort of crackdown on it in recent times, given the COVID, using the uh, excuse of the COVID pandemic, yeah, it's extremely be, worrying. Even before COVID, you, could, you saw a lot of, you know, pl- more police brutality and really coming down hard on protesters, like in Melbourne, I think it was... Uh, yeah, the IMARC protests. Yeah, yeah, that was that was insane. And now they're obviously just using COVID as an excuse, as Bill always said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this is the first time anyone has faced such a hefty charge under COVID-19 regulations for for attending a protest in New South Wales. Nine other protesters were given fines of $1,000 each. Adelpore describes the New South Wales police's decision to lay charges as a major attack on the right to protest in New South Wales. The protests at Sydney University yesterday did not breach COVID-19 restrictions on gathering as protesters gathered in groups of less than 20 people and they were widely dispersed across the campus. They said NSW police had made it clear they are determined to prevent demonstrations of any kind. Police claimed the protest was unauthorised. However, demonstrations in New South Wales are not required to be authorised under the Crimes Act unless participants want to march on the road and require protection from traffic infringement laws. Adele Poor, who studies at the university, said students and staff are concerned about management cuts of thousands of jobs. He says the protest was also aimed at the federal government, which has chosen not to help public universities with JobKeeper. However, it is helping private universities. Sydney University Management floated plans to cut 30% of its staff. Wow, the Sydney branch of the NTEU on September 17th passed a motion condemning the actions of the police and in support of the democratic rights of staff and students to protest. Yeah, that's some good uh, union solidarity there. That's what unions... Um, that's, I think, how they're... One of the... Good way, yeah, one of the best ways they utilized in support of um, social movements. Markella Panagayas, a member of the NT of that NTU branch, told Greenleft that the motion was adopted unanimously. Adelpo will appear in Newtown local court on October eighth. A GoFundMe has been set up to help pay the students' fines. Yeah, this is another really good example of what we were talking about before of defunding the police. Like, we, we pour all this money into the police going out and cracking down on protesters, where if we we used, you know, our, our money more wisely, then people wouldn't be out there 
protesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't basically. be wasting money. Yeah, they on wouldn't need to if they funded the universities. They wouldn't need to make these job cuts. Exactly, basically. exactly. It's all it's all really ridiculous to me. And from what I, from all the protests that I've been to and witnessed since the the pandemic, every everyone's doing the right thing. Everyone, you know, is hand sanitizer. Oh, except for those right wing nutshells. Oh, except for they, them, yeah, they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't count. <laughs> Everyone but them is doing the right thing, and you know, so that they they don't mm. get in trouble. Because we don't want to spread this um, this bloody virus any yeah. more than it has been. So yeah, it's just it's just an excuse to to crack down on people and. Yeah, stop yeah. stop movements such um, as this. And to make it clear, even with those right-wing nutjobs not following the COVID um, suggestions, it doesn't. It's not doesn't that doesn't make it right for the police to violently um, crack down on their right to protest either, even if we heavily disagree with what they're protesting about. Yeah, yeah, another, no, no, you're uh, right. Just another example of police violence and uh, like the diminishing of what <laughs> what we um what we call a democracy yeah well if we had a bit more certainty in this world and like it's a pretty crazy times we live in at the moment maybe we wouldn't have as many crazy right-wing nut jobs you know people have to grasp onto something and to keep yeah. them afloat they're just grasping onto what, what i believe to be the wrong thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's basically it like people have been stuck inside for so long and they've been on Facebook, uh, God, social media in general, and yeah, reading the Murdoch rag and all the, hmm. and they need to feel like you know they're doing something, I guess. Yeah, and, um, they need something to believe in. <laughs> and, yeah, and when you're using these platforms, which are capitalist platforms, they're gonna push people towards things that support capitalism, basically, which is anything non-critical of the status quo, we, uh, even though they try to pretend to be critical. Like, oh, look at these elites who are keeping children in tunnels or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. When, like, you've got... your And they completely... Um, they then kind they, of miss the mark and, a little bit. <laughs> and then they go and... Um, uh, what's the word? Um... I can't remember the word. They put a very high status on, you know, the actual villains, basically, like Trump and uh, Morrison and people like that, who are the actual ones causing these problems. But by the end of the day, it's like, as, as you know, it's, it's a system problem, which is something people, a lot of people don't really see the uh, bigger yeah. picture of. Well, that's what I, I think anyway. Like, you look, they're looking yeah. at these smallest things but um yeah we need to look at the entire entire system total system change and revolution and then we'll be right and hopefully we won't have any right-wing nut jobs (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna jump into some international workers action our first story is from west papua the west papua national liberation army claimed responsibility for the attack on the indonesian national military in mamba village on monday in which three Indonesian soldiers were killed. Also, on Thursday, Liberation Army guerrillas shot dead Serka Salan, a soldier in Hitadipa. Serka Salan and the Hitadipa Koromil Preparatory Task Force entourage were on their way to transport logistics when they were confronted by Liberation Army guerrillas and a shootout occurred for three minutes. Seeing Serka Salan lying hit by gunfire, his comrades ran helter-skelter to save themselves so that the guerrillas could freely cut his face with machetes. There was a firefight which lasted for about three minutes. Finally, Serka Salan was hit by a shot in the left arm and cut with two machetes in the face after the military withdrew, said Na- National Liberation Army spokesman Sebi Sambom. According to Sebi, the escape of the military troops from around the TKP left their colleagues sprawled, making it easier for the Liberation Army troops to seize one weapon and a number of ammunition. The National Liberation Army unit succeeded in seizing one FNC-type long rifle, 25 rounds of 5.56 calibre ammunition and one magazine, said Sebi. Guerrillas in West Papua continually attack Indonesia's colonising armed forces that have been occupying West Papua since the 1960s and committing genocide against the indigenous West Papuan people. 
Great update. Hmm. Very good. Yeah, there's not always a lot to say about it. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just a report of a fight. But whenever I see West Pop something from the West Papua Liberation Army, I always go, "Oh yes, let's add that," because I want re- I really want people to, you know, hear about what's going on over there and just understand like this close neighbor of ours is having a literal war for um, freedom from the colonists, the Indonesian Indonesian colonists. And we're the only ones reporting on it here in Australia, you know, like, well, one of, you know, so... Only, no. (laughs) No, you know, so, um, no, we'll we'll, we'll keep them coming, I say, comrades, and, uh, yeah, yeah, stand in solidarity with, um, you know, uh, fighting back against the uh, Indonesian colonists. All right, so, uh, oh, wow, we've got a mass prison escape in Moroto, Uganda. Yeah, so 219 prisoners escaped from Moroto Prison on Wednesday after prisoners were exposed to coronavirus. One soldier was killed by prison rebels who stormed an armory and seized over 15 weapons and ammunition. Only 7 out of 219 prisoners who escaped from the prison in northeastern Uganda have been recaptured. Two prisoners have also been murdered during their escape attempt. Uh, the prison, which usually imprisons 600 people, is on the foothills of Mount Moroto on the edge of town. The escape was triggered by the transfer of 60 other prisoners to Ginger Referral Hospital for treatment after they tested positive for COVID-19. There was exchange of fire between security and the prison rebels who were scaling up Mountain Moroto. The prisoners who escaped had been tested, but their results withheld, leading to their decision to escape. As prisons around the world are turned into death traps by guards who infect prisoners with the deadly coronavirus, prison rebels will increasingly be forced to escape and fight back in order to survive. Yeah, well, solidarity with these workers who have escaped their captors. (laughs) It's a matter of survival. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so seeing, uh, we're not seeing it as much anymore, but definitely very early in the pandemic, we saw a lot of prison riots going on in response to the pandemic because, like, well, there's just people, people are getting killed, you know. Mm. Have we had any updates with, like, the prisons around here, what's been, hap- what's been happening? So I know there were some riots recently. I haven't seen anything. There hasn't been anything reported, um, mm. yeah. I'll have to have a look. Right, huh? Well, well, we're done there for... (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, didn't have much for international. There's probably other stuff happening, um, but we don't know right now, so check in next week. (laughs) (laughs) We might see what's happening around Brizzy the next week. What have you got, comrades? Well, I've got a couple here, and mainly around the the Kangaroo Point uh, um, struggle. And uh, so Thursdays... There's so first off Tuesday nights is uh, um, it's union night out there. Uh, Thursday nights uh, is it's crosswalk picket at the KP prison. So I think what what happens is they um and that's four till six on uh, on um, Thursday and I think they just hit the lights and cross the lights and say hello and. You know, um, and uh, also the one that I wanted to mention from here was oh they've got Friday jam sessions at the at the at the KP until sixteenth uh, of October. But I wanted I noticed that on October the second, um, which is a Friday, yes, so that's a Friday afternoon, um, uh, comrade. Uh, Oh, I've got to remember. Uh, I've got it here. I had it here. Uh, eight Years, Eight Songs by Phil Monsoor on October the 2nd, Friday, five uh, 5.30 in the afternoon. Um, get out there and um, show solidarity where you can. and uh, Lots of opportunities by the looks of it to yeah. get out there and show your support. You've got some stuff too. Yeah, um, but just first, was that um, rescheduled? Because last week they had the Black Lives Matter protest? Because they were going to do that. I think they have rescheduled it, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, So also uh, tomorrow is ex-detainees day, which uh, seems to be something 
uh, organized by RISE, which is uh, an organization of refugees, survivors, and ex-detainees. Um, so yeah, that's tomorrow. Uh, I'm just going to read a statement, uh, not all of it because it's quite long, but in Australia, the ex-detainee community is arguably one of the poorest, ra ra uh, most racially profiled and systematically discriminated community group. Uh, over the last three decades, evidence shows us that the that Australia's detention regime has produced systemic detainee deaths, torture, and sexual abuse within the mandatory within mandatory detention centres after people arrive by boat to seek asylum. The Australian government fails to justify the indefinite detentions of asylum seekers and has refused the adoption of provisions which ensure freedom from arbitrary detentions, as consistent with International Human Rights Convention. The labels of refugee, permanent resident or citizen bestowed upon us by various state authorities after, sub after subjecting us to the torture of detention is meaningless to when we, our families and our children suffer from the scars of Australia's white, suprem white supremacist refugee detention policies. And I've got some demands here which are, we demand end to mercurial I wonder what mercurial means the uh, detention of our community members on this specific day ex-detainees day we call on the government to implement international human rights treaties and free all detainees from arbitrary detention we demand Australia fulfill its international obligations whereby no one should be subjected to torture or other cruel inhuman treatment no one should be coercively or forcibly deported to a country where they face punishment, torture, detention, degrading treatment, persecution, or death. We demand the government to immediately release all refugees and asylum seekers into the community and provide permanent protection visas and humanitarian support. We demand the government provide refugees with adequate access to health care, welfare support, education and training, and access to justice to resolve their legal issues. And here are some ways to su support this uh, I, um, this day, I suppose, and rise in general. Uh, so you can share the ex-detainee's 10 demands, which address urgent issues affecting asylum seekers and refugees seeking protection from persecution. Uh, yes, so you can just go, you can go to uh, Rise's Facebook account or Twitter account, where, where whatever they're on. Um, so that's Rise, like R-I-S-E. Um, share their demands, which you should be able to find there. Oh, and they've also got a website, which is riserefugee.org. Um, and there's also some other campaigns, which is the Sanction Australia campaign. Um, oh, that's interesting, getting other countries to sanction Australia, which would make sense given we're breaking, um, like, na international agreements. And R RISE are very good, they're, but they're, they're pretty much Melbourne-centric. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, there are, there is a little bit up here, but uh, um, yeah, rise are very good, and we, we, my my union, RAF, were have endorsed their their um, demands. So um, I I did have a look because I was looking around. Um, at first, I was pushing for for the Brisbane organisation demands, and and we did more research, and 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 some of my Melbourne comrades said. Hey, but what about this one? So, um, yeah, RISE are very good, very active. Um, yeah, a good organisation. Yeah, mm. su support RISE, comrades. Uh, I was reading a story the other day about a woman. She was a Ugandan, I'm pretty sure, refugee. She was in a refugee camp in Africa somewhere for about 10 years. Anyway, she lead, led a terrible, terrible life over there. Horrible things that I want to mention happened to her. Uh, anyway, she got asylum in Australia. She moved over here and because of her cultural differences in child rearing, we took all her children away from her. Despite all the hardship she'd lived through in her life, she said this was the, the worst thing she'd ever experienced, that, we had, that Australia had killed her and she was now dead. So, well, it's so, so important that we get people out of these prisons and into into society we need to really recognize how deep and systemic our, our racism is in this country and how it affects people i've heard that many many people who come here <coughs> um as asylum seekers and they, they end up in the community they're terrified of losing their children because they see it happen around them just because of cultural 
differences, you know? Does it mean that children are not cared for properly? It's just done differently. Mm. Yeah, and there's also, just to continue the list of ways to support, there's also the divestment campaign, which I assume is calling on, like, banks and stuff like that to divest from, like, Serco, I guess, or the... Australian, um, others like security companies that support those kind of things. And there's a video called, it says zero things you can do if you are not an ex-detainee. I'm not sure if that's a typo or something, but I'm sure you can find it on their website. Um, yeah, and one thing I noticed while reading this out is like their main campaigns is Sanction Australia and Divestment, which is calling on governments and corporations to assist uh, this campaign, which is uh, it's basically an unfortunate sort of uh, um, showing of where the power is in our society. Follow uh, the money. Mm. Yeah. Um, there's not... Like, I'm sure there are things workers could do, but it would be uh, dangerous to call on them to do that sort of thing in public, basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, and We've got to find other ways for them to um, show activism. And I, I, we'll just, um, I'll, I'll mention again uh, after our interview with uh, the uh, excellent interview with Jackson, uh, Jaden uh, earlier on. Uh, the National No Excuse for Posvity September whack, a Week of Action is happening at the moment. And you can find, um, we'll, as we mentioned, we'll, we'll share a link to, to the Living Income for Everyone um, page and so that you can go in and find out um, where stuff's happening in, uh, in your neck of the woods, um, uh, whether that be online or whether you can physically uh, go and attend and uh, stand up and fight back. Yeah, and the thing happening in our neck of the woods here in Brisbane is the uh, one organised by Anti-Poverty Network and uh, No Cashless Welfare Card, I think it's called, uh, which is the protest outside of Inju starting at 10am on Thursday, this Thursday. And just before, we, we, have we got one more song or we got, we're going to go straight to Scallywag? Oh, I reckon we'll get, we jump into Scallywag. Yeah, well, just before we go there, just a quick mention to uh, comrades out at uh, Ipswich. On Thursday morning, they've got roadside shenanigans, they call it. No incinerators uh, for Ipswich uh, group. They're going to be, uh, they just have it on the side with the core flutes. And uh, they're going to be at Moffat Street, West Ipswich on Thursday morning, 7 a.m. That's oh, the reason I don't get out there with, you know, I, I always go, go under the screen. I'm a retail worker, I, you know, I, uh, <laughs> seven in the morning. But, uh, yeah, yeah, getting all the motorists on their yeah. way to work. Well, if, and, you're, uh, if you're an early riser, good place to be. Yeah, Moffat Street, seven o'clock, West Ipswich. Right, so, um, well, I'd better bring up the um, scallywag of the week. Where's our run street? Who's in trouble this week, Bill? All right. We are sickened by the government's callous decision to force millions of people to re-engage with harmful job agencies from 28th of September. The government's cruel decision makes no sense. It is purely ideological and based on hatred of the poor. Senator Cash is putting unemployment cops back on the beat while there are no jobs to be had. Yesterday's unemployment figures revealed the stark reality. There was no increase in hours worked and 1.7% of all employed people worked zero hours. I'll just repeat that one. 1.7% of all employed people worked zero hours. To me, that says they were unemployed, but anyhow. Only a few thousand real jobs were created, and the government knows it. It's now clear that the Employment Minister has no interest in getting people into jobs and has utter contempt for the people she is supposed to protect. Senator Cash is choosing to punish people for being out of work and prioritise lining the pockets of th those charged with policing us. The minister has pulled yet another political stunt, 
causing mass confusion and distress for vulnerable job streakers by sending fellow government ministers out to drip-feed haphazard information to friendly media. She has repeatedly ignored the AUWU and other stakeholders' calls to give us the information so that we can help the unemployed, something this government continually refuses to do. Cash must answer for her disgraceful decision to give this information to job agencies before community sector stakeholders and the people whose lives are directly impacted by exposure to these farcical programs. While mutual obligations were suspended, we received countless reports from people saying they feel properly saying they feel properly equipped to look for work for the first time, without any penalties for not applying for jobs. Job ads were receiving more applications than ever before. And for this, Senator Cash and her whiteboard get scallywag of the week. Well deserved. What absolute grubs. A neoliberal agenda sneaks up and slaps the working class once again. That's right. Terrible, terrible minister that one, and um, yeah, likes to hide behind whiteboards. That's that's <laughs> uh, you know, like <laughs> um, so. Yeah, look, uh, we don't like to. Um, well, politicians, it's just unavoidable. Yeah, <laughs> you just can't avoid putting them <laughs> scary wag of the week. You know, like grubby we, bastards. Yeah, yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, Senator I don't know if Cash, it was appropriate given this week's interview. I think it, yeah. I think it really was, and and Hartwell at the end of the day, kind of in 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 a roundabout, you know, why Senator Cash is the boss of the unemployed, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so she's a dirty, grubby boss. Um, yeah, uh, man, no, des- yeah, very deserved winner of Scallywag of the Week. Right, well, that's the show for this week, just about. We've got, yep. a, we've got one song left. We've got one song left. And uh, we'll be back next week without Bill. Uh, He's well, going away no, for yeah, a couple yeah, of so, weeks. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm having a couple of weeks off. I've got a couple of things to sort out and uh, also trying to spend some time with the fam. Um, it's school holidays it's, at the moment, yeah, so that's good Yeah, it's school holidays and so... Uh, yeah, yeah, the timing's been pretty good, but um, I wanted to. Did I? I wanted to say um, how uh, well you two have done to uh, for me to have the confidence to go away is uh, um, amazing. Knowing that uh, workers' power is in in great hands, and uh, um, I, I implore all listeners to uh, tune in next week, and it'll probably be better without me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it might be better. So uh, look, it'll be I, a lot quieter. I, 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 I've had that. I've had that before, where I've gone. I've, I've had a job. I've gone away on holiday. I come back. Yeah, we, we won't need you. And, so. <laughs> and I realised they 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 didn't need me, and they got rid of me. They did. Seriously. Oh really? Yeah, I went oh, on no. holiday. Yeah, because I'm I, look uh, professional and 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 uh, you know in activism in, in every aspect of, in, in my life. Or, you know, I'm I'm inclusive and and I and I share the wisdom. Like I'm a big big uh, person to uh, I, I call it succession planning. I when when I if if I get hit by the bus, the the show the show the must show go, will go, go on. on. It's been detrimental to my career in the past, as <laughs> I mentioned. I've lost jobs because of it, but that's it's all part of being a good you know good leader, good manager, um, and uh, yeah. So uh, it's it's just amazing to. Um, you know, like like when I go gallivanting around the studio, you know, like uh, I'm talking, you know, managerial stuff, and, and we're we're planning for the future. Uh, so you can just fade into the background, hey, Bill. Yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I did mention I'm going to do a bit more of a production role, you know, so mm. where I can organise guests and and make sure that that that, that we we're rotating around because we want. I, I, I don't know about you. I want more people involved in workers' power. Mm. You know, get get. More diverse voices, so I'll you know we'll, when I get back we'll work more on that and it'll it'll be uh, kicking to overdrive when uh, Fergal comes back as well. So 
you're in good uh, listening that for for four triple Z subscribers, and we haven't even mentioned that. You know, like normally we say, join, 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 subscribe, 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 subscribe. subscribe. <laughs> you don't have much time, but uh, um, yeah, yeah. So, but you can rest assured that uh, you're in good hands when you tune in ten o'clock uh, next Tuesday, and you want to hear about uh, an update on uh, workers' power. Yeah, so stay we'll, tuned now for Brisbane Lions, mm-hmm. and we'll see you next week, comrades. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, comrades.